millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Diva Behavior, the podcast. Summer 2020 is finally over. Definitely not one to write home about unless what you're writing is like some sort of dystopian horror novel. This was a pretty heavy summer. There was a pandemic. There was widespread protesting throughout the U.S. There was a presidential election that I think we all can agree has been harrowing. There hasn't been much lighthearted stuff in the news. There hasn't been much celebrity news to take our minds off of things. I think after the Imagine video, they all sort of, you know, saw their shadows and decided to stay in for the rest of the year. But there has been one notable exception to that, and that is Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. These two have been making headlines like their lives depend on it. And, I mean, we just have to thank them because it's been such a great distraction and we love to look at their gorgeous faces on the TV and on the internet all the time. They had a busy summer. And part of the reason why they stayed so top of mind all summer is because two super juicy books came out about them. And that is what we're talking about on Diva Behavior today. It is all very juicy and interesting and fun. What we're going to get into is everything from... The British press, the truth about Tiara Gate, rumors about Meghan and Kate's friendship, whether or not Harry and Meghan planned to leave the royal family from the jump. We even get some details about why Meghan's first marriage ended and things like that that we haven't really gotten a ton of insight into before. So the first book is called Finding Freedom. It's a very flattering portrayal of the last few years of Meghan and Harry's lives. It's super detailed and eye-opening, but the author's claim that Meghan and Harry did not collaborate with them. Now, the second one, Meghan and Harry, The Real Story, is shady as hell. It was written by Lady Colin Campbell. She's this, like, high society woman who writes all of these sort of tawdry royal biographies for the past 40 years. She says she has a lot of really trustworthy and high up royal sources, but at the same time, she's written many things about the royal family that it doesn't seem like they would want to see the light. So this is the source material for this episode of Diva Behavior. We're talking about finding freedom and we're talking about Meghan and Harry, the real story. If you're going to read one of them, I would say go for Finding Freedom because Harry and Meghan, the real story is a little unhinged. It's like very unhinged. A big portion of the book is just long rants about how much Meghan and Harry didn't listen to the royal family and how their personalities don't fit in and blah, 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 blah. It's just, you know, I read that book so you don't have to and if you do want to do a little more reading after you listen to this podcast try finding freedom it was a very good read if you want to hear more about royal biographies in general we did a series of episodes last year all about different royal biographies and it's pretty good if i do say so myself so check out our back catalog my guest today is my little sister casey bunker and i'm so thankful that she 
read Finding Freedom and came on the podcast to talk about it with me because she's such a chill person and she brings such a sympathetic reading of everything that Meghan and Harry do. Whereas I, you know, I am a fan of Meghan and Harry. I like them a lot, but I'm also sort of cynical. And Casey is really good at balancing that out a little bit, I would say. The two of us have sort of been royal nerds, which is embarrassing, but we are, ever since the first time we visited London as kids. And so that's why I decided to have her on, to talk through Harry and Meghan's summer of drama. You can follow Casey on Twitter and Instagram at CaseyDia1, like Quesadilla, but Casey instead of Quesa, get it? And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Molly Molshine. You can send your questions and comments about the show and the episode to info at divabehavior.com. Now, please enjoy as we talk about arguably the two biggest divas of 2020, and you know I say that with love, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Some people think diva's a bitch. Who's a diva to you? Would you say, are you one? I never said that. Diva behavior. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Diva Behavior, the podcast. So we are talking today. We're going to talk about Meghan and Harry. They had two big, very big deal books come out this summer. One of them was called Finding Freedom, Harry and Meghan and the Making of a Modern Royal Family by Omid Scobie and Carolyn Durand. This one is a little controversial because there's a lot of speculation that Harry and Meghan collaborated with Omid and Carolyn for this book which we'll get into and then the second one which I read is an incredibly tawdry and pretty offensive (laughs) very unauthorized biography called Meghan and Harry the real story by Lady Colin Campbell so Casey when you read Finding Freedom which is the the more favorable book about them that came out this summer did it change anything about your perspective of them? I don't think it really did. It, it filled in a couple more details and kind of showed me how they ended up in this situation. Did it change yours? I think it made me see things from their perspective a little bit more. But I do still think that the way that they handled their leaving the royal family was very hectic. And this book did not really change my feelings about that but Mm -hmm. I still understand why they did and I still think it makes total sense and I think that they it's so interesting because they're both millennials and they just are such a great representation of what younger generations are doing right now and how younger generations are rebelling against the older generations and I think that is why people get so angry about them or people just get so passionate about them because it's just like they they said, no, we're not going to do what we're supposed to do. We're just not doing it. And a lot of people just can't handle that at all. It made me think of just the contrast and the tension between standing up for mental health and being part of this institution where you aren't allowed to have a voice. It's like they, it can't work. The two can't go together. And yeah. so much of our generation, like you said, is standing up for your mental health and saying, no, actually, I need some boundaries and that and that kind of thing instead of um, doing what society wants of you and thinking that that's the way that you're going to get ahead in life. 
Yeah, absolutely. So do you think, this is the big question in the UK at least, do you think that Meghan and Harry collaborated with Omid Scobie and Carolyn Durand? Because they, so Meghan and Harry are suing the Mail on Sunday right now because they, the Mail on Sunday reprinted excerpts of Meghan's letter to her father before the wedding, which said, you know, how could you do this to me? This is crazy, blah, blah, blah. They had all this drama before the wedding where he had sold access of himself to the tabloids and nobody knew if he was even going to make it to the wedding. The Both of these books spent a ton of time on this. For me personally, it's not that interesting. I think her dad is in sort of a bad place. Nobody can really know what kind of relationship they had before. Lady Colin Campbell, who wrote the less favorable book, argues that he gave her absolutely everything in life and it's terrible that she's not being nice to him anymore. Omid Scobie and Carolyn Durand sort of argue that he kind of lost the plot at some point. And I think it's just a, it's just a family issue that we're never going to know all the details. And frankly, it's not even that interesting. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I, and I think her older sister too kind of had stuff to do with it. And yeah, she's crazy. The older sister is Thomas Markle at this point too. It's kind of like if one of us was in this situation and our dad was being like asked all these questions by the press, like, I don't know. Parents love to talk about their kids. Like, I just don't think that it like the whole, the book is saying that Megan had no idea what the British press was like. Well, her dad definitely had no idea what the British press was like. And yeah, yeah, I, I think it's just a messy situation. Yeah, it's just a messy family issue, and I don't really care. I just feel like they it, their family is a shame that they can't see eye to eye and figure it out, and it's no one's fault, you know? But so they're suing the Mail on Sunday because the Mail on Sunday reprinted this letter that she wrote to her dad, and they reprinted it with her dad's permission. And she's saying that was a breach of privacy, Whereas the Mail on Sunday is saying, well, you sent five of your friends to People Magazine and they also gave the letter to People Magazine. So you can't say that it was okay for People Magazine to have the letter and not for us to have the letter. But the big issue that what she needs to prove in this lawsuit is that she didn't collaborate with her five friends on this. So she also kind of has to prove that she didn't collaborate with Omid and Carolyn on this. So it's all going to come to a head in January when the case goes to trial. But right now, the story that they're sticking to is that they did not collaborate with Omid and Carolyn. But the thing is, the level of detail in Omid and Carolyn's book, it's like she took a deep breath and thought about this, this, and this, and then walked outside and did her first appearance. It's, it is so detailed. So detailed. I wanted to get your opinion on that too, just from a journalism perspective, how this would all work if you were going to set about to write a book like this. And let's say Omid only asked friends, like, but you don't have to reveal the sources and everything. Like, how does that work? I just don't, and with the quoting, like, could he have taken some creative freedom? Because they've already, I think in this court case, they've like knocked down some of the things that said, oh no, she didn't have a martini on the first date and stuff like that. So it's like, could he take creative freedoms? Could the friends be taking creative freedom? Like, how does that work? With a book like this, as a journalist, when you're writing it, you might take a tiny little bit of creative freedom of this person took a deep breath and must have been thinking this. But 
for him to get this level of detail, yeah, he would have had to speak to her friends. And if he was speaking, if they the authors were speaking to her friends without her permission, that would be the biggest breach of confidence where she would be cutting every single person out of her life that she knows right now because it would be so messed up for them to be going and talking to a journalist about it. And she has said, and Harry has said, through a letter from their attorneys in this court case that they did not collaborate with these authors. And the question is, what does collaborate mean? What what does that mean? Does it mean that they personally didn't speak to the author, authors? Or does it mean that they didn't authorize their friends to speak to the authors? Because it's just so hard to imagine that their friends went behind their backs to help with this incredibly flattering portrayal of them in this book. But I think he said something in the author's note about also from from experiences with the couple themselves. So mm-hmm. was so is some of that just things they said to him not thinking it would be in the book, but it turns out it is in the book. Like, I don't know. It's just we just don't know. And we won't really know unless the case goes to trial and they talk about it, because the thing that the thing that we also have to think about is the book that Princess Diana said that she didn't collaborate on in the 90s with Andrew Morton. She What she did was she recorded – her friend would come over and ask her questions, and she would answer the questions. The friend would record them all and bring them over to Andrew Morton, and then Andrew Morton wrote the book about it. And Diana maintained pretty much until she died – that she did not collaborate with Andrew Morton on this book. And she just did. She just fully did. But the thing is, she never said it in the court of law. You know, she never had an attorney write a letter about it. So she, you know, it's easier to lie about that. And most public figures do lie about stuff like that. You know, they just do. They just fabricate things to help their public image because, it's the it's their bread and butter, you know? It's the only thing that they can do. So it is just hard to say, you know, who these sources are, who the sources are. It's it's just really hard to tell. Yeah, it, I would love to know. Yeah, I think it will come out eventually. It will definitely come out eventually. And then you have Lady Colin Campbell, who has the most interesting story. So Lady Colin Campbell, she's the one who wrote the less favorable book about them this summer. She has a fascinating backstory. She was born to a really wealthy family in Jamaica and they were sort of, I think they were British expats and she was born intersex and her parents decided to raise her as a boy. And then when she was, I think about 12, she was like, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl. And she started living as a girl and her parents weren't really supportive of it. She moved to New York City and became a little bit of a socialite. She married this man, Lord Colin Campbell. He only realized about a year into the marriage that she was intersex. It became a huge scandal. She was written about really unfavorably by the press. She was dra- her name was dragged through the mud for a really long time and Now she lives as a woman still, and she uses her husband's name, her ex-husband's name, even though they haven't been married for about 30 years. And he gets angry about that. Like, he's said in interviews that he doesn't know why she's still using his name. So now Lady Colin Campbell has written several 
not that nice books about royal people. And she says she has a lot of really high-level sources within the royal family. There are some really, really interesting points in the book. But for the most part, it's just her ranting about how much Harry and Meghan don't fit in with the aristocratic way of living. And it's like, well, yeah, duh. Obviously, they don't fit in. That's why they left. But I guess the thing that I find so interesting about her is she herself has felt what it's like to be frozen out by the upper classes because of who she is and her identity and what it's like to be, you know, treated like crap by the press. But she sticks up for the press's right to treat people that way. But she still writes things about them that are really unflattering, even though she's basically been through the same thing. Yeah, when you, I did not realize that was her background at all when you, I just read the notes from the book. Um, so you're just telling me this right now. I was like, wow, okay. I would think this woman would have a little bit more empathy um, to their situation, but I guess not. I mean, I, I don't know what she's been through in her life. So yeah, I, I don't know. That's surprising to me, but the the notes from the book were really eye-opening and I just kind of read them today and and was so surprised by them. But I think it's definitely the upper class perspective kind of of yeah. Harry and Meghan's situation. And there's probably details that are in there that are correct in some ways. Yeah, it's crazy. She one of the things she goes into that's really I mean, I would argue it's uncalled for, but I understand why some people think it's important. She talks about the conspiracy theory that Megan didn't carry her own child, which in my opinion is... What? Oh my God, yeah. I heard that one. Oh, it's a big thing on the more psychotic corners of the internet. It was the people that are really nasty about them online. They were really, really obsessed with this storyline and this idea that they hired a surrogate. And it's obviously, I mean, it's none of our business. And I don't think it's true, but she sort of lays out why to some British people who actually still believe in a hereditary monarchy, why it matters to them, because it's like this kid is going to be in the line of succession. So it matters whether he is actually who they say he is. Because there was a plot like 300 years ago or something to switch two of the babies, to switch a royal baby at birth with another baby. It's insane. It's insane. Like you switch like the first in line to the throne and not the seventh in line to the right. throne. Right. It's like, who <laughs> like, cares? Like, it's never going to be king. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And the thing is, the thing that happens in this book, in the Lady Colin Campbell book, is she explains a way all of the racism that Megan has faced. She sort of makes excuses for why none of it is racist. And it's like, lady, you have no right to say that. She, you yeah, know. Like, let me find out about, let me educate myself about racism from this like upper class British. White lady. Woman. I think yeah. kind of backs it up by saying I live in Jamaica. And it's like, that doesn't, that, yes. what? <laughs> it's literally, I have black <laughs> friends. I, that is literally, I have friends who are black. I grew up in Jamaica, so yeah. I understand race. Like, no, you're still a rich white lady. But so she she sort of goes through the explanation of why people would care. 
and why people would obsess over whether there was a surrogate. And it's like, okay, technically I understand that. I get why it would matter if the monarchy had any power whatsoever, but it really doesn't. And this kid's, like you said, not going to be king. So anyone who's obsessing over it is just being, it's, they're just being crazy. It's the kind of thing where you're like, there's someone, this is the subconscious thing going through their minds. It's like, there's someone in power who my mind can't compute how they got there because they don't deserve it in my mind. So I have to do all these mental gymnastics to try and come up with a way to affirm the belief that I have that they don't belong there. So you, you come up with this surrogate kind of thing and say, oh, well, she didn't really have the child. So actually she didn't she doesn't belong there. Yeah. It's, yeah. You you come up with this, these conspiracy theories to confirm your own belief systems. Exactly. And it's like, you're dying on this hill of the surrogate when for all intents and purposes, it doesn't matter. It really yeah. doesn't matter. We live in an age where you can get a DNA test very easily. If you really are that concerned about something like that. Um, yeah. There was one, there was one other thing from that book that was really funny to me. So Someone, one of Megan's friends from England that she was visiting said that Megan had said she wanted to leave Suits, move to London, join the upper class cast of the reality show Made in Chelsea and marry a Brit, which was incredible. I was like, if she showed up on Made in Chelsea, I, I don't, that just makes no sense at all, but I would have been here for it. And then the next line is the fact that she was neither upper class nor British seems not to have entered into Megan's calculations. Oh my God. So rude. Do you know what? Stephanie Pratt is neither upper class nor British. She got arrested for shoplifting in the Valley before she went on Maiden Chelsea. So it's not a friggin' prerequisite to be on that show. It's not. And I, oh I was just God. like, wow, that is so, that's just so, in, such an interesting line. Yeah. The other thing that really bugs me about criticism of Megan and I just want to I just want to say I don't think she's perfect I do think no one is perfect I think there's plenty of things plenty of situations where she and Harry have put a foot wrong but the the criticism absolutely outweighs what what is deserved for what they've done but I think one thing one thing about the criticism is they don't give her the benefit of the doubt you know I mean who hasn't jokingly said oh my God, I'd love to be on Made in Chelsea. I'd love to be on Towie. I'd love to be on the Hills and marry a rich British guy. Like, it's a joke. I'm sure whoever she said that to, she wasn't confiding her deepest desires to them. She was just joking around. Like, wouldn't it be hilarious if I went on Made in Chelsea? And, you know, it's like, wouldn't it be hilarious if I was on Jersey Shore? Yeah, like, who cares? Yeah, Yeah. and then someone spins it the next year and was like, Molly Mulshine wanted to be on Jersey Shore. She's always plotting this rise to fame. And it's like, there's, you know, higher goals to set in life if you're really yeah. that manipulative and plotting as the, as people say that she is. But yeah. also speaking of things they've done wrong, I appreciate that Omid and Carolyn just mentioned that they um, dropped the baby bomb at Eugenie's wedding. Yes. Like they did not try to sugarcoat that at all because I was interested in seeing if they were going to try to, and it was just like, yeah, no, they, they told everyone they were pregnant at Eugenie's wedding. And it's, that's not right. That's not right. So Eugenie is Prince Andrew's daughter. Like she doesn't have enough to deal with. (laughs) 
<laughs> and, and she give her this one moment. Come on, guys. Yes, give her this. So Eugenie had to postpone her wedding because Harry and Meghan also got engaged and Harry ranks higher than her. That's so she cool. had to push her wedding back. So she finally gets to have her moment. There was also the big fight over the tiara, which I want to talk about because the the dirt on that is just amazing. No one can agree on what actually happened with the tiara. But so Eugenie finally gets to have her freaking wedding after pushing it back because of Harry and Meghan and Harry show up. And according to Lady Colin Campbell, she says they spent the whole time going from person to person, sharing the news that Meghan was pregnant. This from the couple who had only a few short months before caused great grave offense when asked how their honeymoon had gone and where they had been had responded. We're not telling anyone we're keeping that for ourselves. (laughs) That is that is crazy. That is true too. Yeah, when you put it that way, it's it's bad. For your family to be like, "Where'd you go on your honeymoon?" and be like, mm, "We're we're not telling anyone." It's like, "All right, psycho." But was that's- it the family? Allegedly, they didn't t- even tell the family where their honeymoon. Yeah, that's pretty weird. And you still can't find it. You still can't see where their honeymoon was it's like all right we freaking get it it's like when you see when you meet someone and you're like oh my god I love your shoes where'd you get them and they're like oh I don't know and you're like you know where you got the shoes yeah but then and so Omid and Carolyn said this is how they put it and this is in the more favorable biography of Meghan and Harry they said the timing of the announcement might have worked with the tour but it conflicted with another happy royal event Princess Eugenie's wedding Family members had found out about the pregnancy just days prior at the wedding of Harry's closest cousin. It did not go down particularly well with Eugenie, who had, who a source said, told friends she felt the couple should have waited to share the news. I agree. You can't announce a pregnancy at someone else's wedding, especially when they literally had to postpone their wedding so that you could get married first. I, I mean, I really would be mad if, if someone had done that to me. And they yeah. weren't like... A prince, you know? Yeah. Let's talk about Tiara Gate. Oh, yeah. So this was something that the press said it was one way, and each of these books said it was a different way, basically. So in the press, it was like Megan wanted a certain tiara, but they wouldn't give it to her because it was possibly linked to Russia. This is like hilarious. It was possibly linked to Russia and they didn't know where it had come from. So they couldn't give it to her because it would be awkward or whatever. And then in the book, in Omid and Carolyn's book, it says Megan and Harry went into this like basement bunker where they keep all the Royal jewels, which is very Da Vinci code. Yeah. And, Yeah, it says it's they were escorted down a secure elevator 40 feet below the palace to the large vault where five tiaras had been assembled for a display ahead of the couple's appointment in February 2018. They looked through archival images of different tiaras they liked from photo archives, but ultimately none of them, none of that mattered since they knew the choice was not theirs to make. Oh, and in the press before this, it said that this was one of the events where it made Harry say what Megan wants, Megan gets, which was a big bone of contention because the British establishment, and again, I'm not saying all British people, I'm saying the establishment, a lot of people were not happy that Megan got to choose things for her own wedding. <laughs> yeah. So it says to borrow one of these t- tiaras. So this is 
this passage right here that I'm reading is damage control from the original idea that Megan was being a brat about the tiara. That's what the press had put out. And this is basically the response to that that's trying to sort of repair her image. To borrow one of these tiaras was a privilege and gift. And like most gifts, you took what you were given. Each tiara is stored in its own safety box within the vault, a basement room, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's from the queen, the queen's, the queen's dresser, Angela Kelly is the one who gives it to them. Megan seated in front of a full length mirror. Each tiara was carefully placed upon her head until a decision was made. When more than a year later, the story broke about Megan demanding a different tiara to wear on her wedding day. She called a friend and said, how sad I love my tiara. While the papers got it wrong about its source, they weren't wrong about the fact that there had been a conflict during Meghan's wedding preparations. There were no disagreements with Meghan and the Queen about the tiara. The dust-up was between Angela Kelly, this is the Queen's dresser, and Harry. It all began in late March when Meghan's hairstylist, Serge Normand, flew from New York to London to do a hair trial using the tiara they had chosen for the wedding. This is, like, so deep in the weeds. It's kind of hilarious that they even bothered to put it in, but I get why they put it in. Harry, while obviously familiar with palace protocol, didn't believe that Angela was truly unavailable. She said she was unavailable to give the tiara to Meghan for the hair trial. Instead, Harry thought that Angela Kelly was purposely ignoring Meghan. What followed between the prince and Angela was a heated exchange that was far from the typical restraint expected. This is allegedly when he said what Meghan wants, Meghan gets. According to a source, Harry had no problem confronting the issue head on. He was fed up, said the aide. Why was it so hard to set up a time for Megan to try the tiara with her hairdresser? In the end, Harry had to speak to his grandmother. So I guess this is the kind of thing where someone in the establishment would say, why did Megan need, why did Harry and Megan need to bother the queen about this? They should have just dealt with it and not done it. Whereas the people that are on Harry and Megan's side would say, like the book says, why can't you just try the tiara with the hairdresser? So what do you think? I, I can see where the miscommunication is coming in and I think this kind of happens a lot throughout the book where like it's one of those situations where if Harry could just talk to his grandmother about it he could probably figure it out but because he's talking to Angela Kelly and then Angela Kelly's probably like well I have to go down into the vault I have to take this tiara out can I just bring the tiara to a salon I don't know like I can see both sides of why that would be confusing but if you could just cut out the middleman and just talk to grandma about it. Yeah. That I could also see where maybe Angela Kelly was throwing her weight around. Yeah. And saying, I don't work for you guys. I work for the queen and I'm not taking time out of my day to, yeah. to bring the tiara to a freaking hair salon. Yeah. Which is rude because it's her freaking wedding. But also you have to, I think the thing is like in this scenario, William and Kate would have said, oh, that's the way it is. Okay. That's the way it is. According to their public persona, this is like the public image of them. And Megan and Harry are like, no, that's, we're not doing that. Can't we just try it? And yeah, it's like you said, you can see both sides, but Lady Colin Campbell claims that the issue stemmed from Megan not having access to the tiara that she wanted. And it says that she wanted the tiara that Eugenie was going to wear. And she was angry that she was unable to wear it. And it says, as the future wife of a... And Eugenie's tiara was the one with the big emeralds on it. It really was spectacular. It had like a giant emerald in the front. It was a really similar shape to Megan's, but with emeralds added in. So it is kind of believable because... getting over that tiara. Yes, that emerald tiara is freaking gorgeous. Like... Yeah. It would have looked so good on Megan. It looked amazing on Eugenie too. But 
Lady Colin Campbell says, as the future wife of a second son of an heir presumptive, Meghan never had a choice of the truly spectacular jewels to include the Vladimir or Greville tiaras, which are worn by Camilla. Jewels are allocated according to precedence and what a senior royal wears, a junior royal cannot. That annoyed me because I thought she was a senior royal. Wasn't that the whole thing? They're stepping down from being senior royals. Like, I thought they were senior royals. That's, yeah, that's what's so confusing about it because they argue in, I think there's a big issue in the court and in the royal family of there's, and even in the press, the people who are born into the royal family are treated differently than the people who marry in, especially the women who are married in. Because this is the thing, the women who marry into the royal family are like tarred and feathered by the public and seemingly by the courtiers. And that's the thing. Megan technically outranks Eugenie because she's married to the second son of the heir, Mm -hmm. but she will never be a blood royal like Eugenie is. So there's this really weird sort of like it's like Kate when Kate is in private with Eugenie, she has to curtsy to her, but. This is according to the rules. I'm sure they don't actually do this, but back in the day, this is what they would have. These was, this is what the rules would be. If Kate's in private with someone who was born into the royal family and she has to curtsy to them, but if she's with William, they have to curtsy to her. So, oh. yeah. So if you marry in, you're only respected if your partner is with you. It's crazy. And they did it to, and they just, kind of haze the women who royal in so diane who marion so diana kate megan they've all been treated like crap fergie. by the press fergie too fergie oh my god especially but also fergie did some crazy stuff <laughs> but i can imagine just the act of having to curtsy i mean think of this all in the landscape of a family like you have to curtsy to your cousin's wife when like you're the one who grew up as the princess like mentally that's tough that is like a weird thing to get over for sure that would irk you it would yeah yeah Yeah. so another thing that lady colin campbell claims in her book is that there is absolutely no possible way that megan has been the victim of racism whatsoever which is obviously crazy read the room lady colin campbell yeah and i just have had so many people in the uk Obviously, most people understand that racism is an issue in every society in the world. But a lot of people in the UK have said to me, oh, well, we don't have a race problem. America has a race problem, but we don't. And I'm like, are you joking? Like, why don't you look at your own issues the same way that you look at America? You know, there are plenty of people in every country who are ignorant and racist and say terrible things. And For some reason, it seems like Americans who do that get a lot more airtime than Europeans who do that. Yeah, and I think that was part of the issue with Megan coming into the fold, too, is, I mean, there's some sexism at play there. There's racism at play. And then there's also anti-Americanism, I think, as well, very subtly being a part of like, oh, she's so Hollywood and she's an actress and we can't. Oh, what was the the one line from Colin Kelly's book? Um, Meghan Markle would find it impossible to fit into the role of royal duchess without a personality transplant (laughs) or this person someone was was saying this and pointed out to him that quote we step out with actresses 
we don't marry them, end quote. This was not snobbishness on his part. The quality Oh, this that- is Prince Philip who said this. Is it? Yes. Oh, shoot. Because I only saw the, the highlighted note that you sent me. But so this was not snobbishness on his part. The qualities that make an actress successful are the absolute opposite of those which make a good royal duchess. Now, I would like to also point out that call that what's her name? Colin, Colin Campbell. Lady Colin Campbell spent a quite a good amount of paragraphs talking about how untalented Meghan Markle is as an actress. But then oh my she God, says, so true. But then she also says the qualities that make an actress successful are the absolute opposite of those which make a good royal duchess. You're so right. And she, yeah, she talks about how Megan sucks at acting. And then she talks about how because she's such an amazing actress, she can't be a royal. Oh, my God. It's like you got to pick you got to pick one. It can't be both. Yeah. She also is really not nice about um, American journalism. She talks about how so much she basically says in the UK, journalists are a lot more hard scrabble and do a lot more investigative work than they do in the US. And in the US, they basically just suck up to celebrities. And it's just not true. I mean, there's so many negative stories about celebrities in the US media. I don't know where this new stereotype has come from that that American media only fawns over celebrities. It's just not true. I mean, there is a lot as like vitriolic as the as like the daily mail and these stories where megan eating an avocado is making her a human rights violator the thing is i think it was until very recently i think the new york post is still that way there used to be a lot more negative coverage in the weekly tabloids in the u.s that tore women down especially i mean look at the way that britney spears has been treated look at the way that Paris Hilton has been treated. Look at the amount of slut shaming that Kim Kardashian still goes through. There's still so much sexism and misogyny in the American media. And it's really not fair to say that British journalists are so much more worthy than American journalists and that they're doing. That's what that's the argument that Lady Colin Campbell made that the British journalists are so much better at knocking celebrities down a few pegs. It's like, no, American journalists are also doing that all the time. But there is a new movement in the U.S. toward not, quote-unquote, bullying, which I personally find really problematic because it is being espoused mostly by celebrities who don't want to be scrutinized. They just say that any criticism of them is bullying. And it's like, no, bullying is when someone of high status picks on someone of lower status. So when a journalist who makes 50 grand a year is picking on a celebrity who makes $10 million a year, that's not bullying. It might not be nice, but it's not bullying. It's different. It's criticism. Yeah, it's criticism, but it's not bullying. No, and it's also those people can step out of the limelight when they'd like to. And we as the public have a little less skin in the game because we're not paying taxes to, you know, give them this lavish lifestyle, like with the royals in the UK. So I think that adds a different layer to the coverage there of the royals specifically. Yeah, it makes total sense that they would scrutinize the royals because like you said, they are bankrolling them. And But the thing is, the way that manifests itself is misogynistic, sometimes racist, sometimes anti-American. It it results in more scrutiny toward the women who marry into the royal family than the people that are born into the royal family. But at the same time, you have Tampon Gate from the... (laughs) 
the late, I forget what year it was. It was the late eighties or early nineties. They hacked into, they hacked into Charles's phone and found that he told Camilla that he wanted to be her tampon and they published it. So, you know, that was really over the line. That was invasive for sure. It, but still, they the women of the royal family are the ones who get the lion's share of criticism from the press. So when Meghan and Harry talk about the press vilifying them, I absolutely see where they're coming from. I really, really do. And when Lady Colin Campbell says it's important that the press has a right to vilify the royal family because the people, the taxpayers are paying for them, I understand that too. It's just that, I don't know, something that we really, that all journalists need to look at is... Again, what hills are we dying on? Because if we're dying on the hill of Meghan Markle's avocados are killing people, we're doing it wrong. <laughs> yes. You know? yeah. Because it, it also seems like there has not been that much focus. Maybe I'm wrong here about Prince Andrew and his ties to Jeffrey Epstein and that whole thing. Like when you just compare the two situations, it's exactly like that should be getting all of the press, you know, scrutiny and everything thrown at it. Yeah. The problem is what a lot of people don't understand is people click on the stories that are nasty about Megan and the stories that are nasty about Kate and the stories that are nasty about Fergie because everyone loves to hate women. It's just true. It's just still a thing. It's been that way since before the Old Testament. Why do you think Eve is the one who eats the apple and not Adam? It's because everybody wants to vilify women. It's just for some reason we haven't gotten past that. So it's not that's women included like women yeah, like it's judge women too it's just not just saying only men like to judge women it's everyone exactly exactly it's internalized misogyny and it's just people want to do that because of the patriarchy which doesn't mean because of men it means because of the power structure where we all want we all on some subconscious level want men to be these immaculate godlike father figures who can do no wrong you know and that's why even though prince philip has said a bunch of racist stuff he still is going to be sort of you know held up as the standard it's but also at the same time you don't really see much negative press coverage about the queen because she's unassailable in the uk still Mm -hmm. but i think that has to do with the fact that she was born into it and the fact that she's been around for so long and I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I you, you get a little bit more sympathy when you're born into it because you just didn't choose that life. Yeah. There's always going to be this idea that women who marry in are using them. And it's like how much more if anyone's using anyone, don't you think I don't think anything can trump the way that they took an 18 year old girl and married her to a 30 something year old prince in the 80s, which was Princess Diana. I mean, that's using. Yeah, that was tragic. Also, Lady Colin Campbell sort of implies that they used Megan for her biracial heritage. She yes, that was so interesting. She she puts it on its head and says actually her her heritage is what makes her what made her stay in the family. It was a selling point, and they yeah. overlooked all the other facets about her and her background and kept her because of her racial identity that was really interesting and she uses that as a way to nullify any accusations of racism which is ridiculous because you can fetishize 
and still be racist. It's obviously something that many, many humans are capable of doing. Like, it's very obvious that a lot of the criticism against Megan stemmed from racism. But yeah, I she has this quote where she says that the queen allegedly said, this will make it way harder for Jeremy Corbyn, the labor leader at the time that that she said this, this will make it a lot harder for Jeremy Corbyn to campaign against us because the royal family obviously has so much of the Commonwealth is, is not white. So many of the Commonwealth countries are not majority white. They're majority, majority black or brown. So yeah, but it's just, there's still the reason why they, why so many people were so nasty to her definitely was racism. Yeah. And, and it's, if that is what the crown was planning, which I don't know, that doesn't, from what I've heard from Queen Elizabeth, like that specific quote does not sound like something she would say to people who would potentially turn around and use it against her. But I don't know her personally. We haven't talked in a while. Um, (laughs) But if that was the plan, it failed miserably and actually ended up looking even worse. I mean, this girl joins the family and is forced out by racism like that. It looks bad, you know? Yeah. What do you think that, cause it does look terrible. It really does. What do you think they could have, what do you think the Royal family could have done differently to keep Megan in the fold and Harry in the fold? I think just some, I, honestly, I think maybe just more events where they were with them and putting a hand around the shoulder or that kind of thing. Um, like towards the end when they had Megan at the tennis game at the tennis match with um, Kate Middleton and Pippa like those kinds of things. Yeah, that was great it, PR. It's not even it's not even responding verbally because I know they don't like don't explain, don't complain, but just to see them with like a show of support kind of would have been helpful. Yeah, definitely. You, what did you think about the amount of shade against Kate in Finding Freedom? I thought it was a little a little too much. Yeah, I I agree. I thought it was a little bit overboard. Yeah, it was all this stuff about how um Kate never reached out to her. Yeah, I was kind of like I don't know. Megan seems pretty progressive. Like she seems like a star a doer and a starter where she would have reached out to Kate. So I don't know, maybe she did. And I, I think we're not getting the full story when it comes to the whole breakup between the two couples. I I don't think the story really was fully oh, yeah. explained there. But I did do a little bit of digging into everyone's birth charts. <laughs> oh my god, great. <laughs> Astrological birth charts. And Megan and Kate are so compatible. So they're also very compatible with Diana. So they're like kind of similar to her, both of them. So Kate and Megan both have cancer and and Leo in their top um, three like signs. That's why they both have great hair. Yes. And most of the members of the royal family have cancer and or Leo somewhere in their chart. And those like top three signs, sun, moon and rising. Wow. Because... I know not everybody subscribes to astrology and it's fine, but it was just very interesting. If they ever did decide to give it another go, I think they would be very compatible friends. Yeah. I think the issue with them is just, again, cultural differences between British women and American women. When you try to make friends with a British person, you sort of have to be like, a you have to act like they're like a cat. You know, you have to let them come to you. You can't come on too strong. You probably have to meet them 
like six times before they're going to smile when they see you and be really bubbly. This is obviously a generalization. Yeah. Whereas like not all British people are like that, obviously, but with Americans, obviously there are Americans who are exactly that way. They're more like cats with the way they socialize, but they're for the most part, Americans are like puppies when they meet you. They're going to be like, hi, how are you? I've heard so much about you. Blah, 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 blah. And British people are not really going to respond to that. They find it to be inauthentic and they find it to be just which fake is, and not real, which, which is, is understandable. Yeah. Yeah. But that. so they say, yeah. But so in the, in Finding Freedom in the Omid Scobie book, it says, despite the fact that Harry was a regular guest in her household, Kate had seemingly not shown much interest in finding out who this woman was who made her brother-in-law so happy. Here's another really shady line. Kate and Megan came from different backgrounds and had vastly different life experiences, which I don't agree with. I think they were both upper middle class and had went to great schools and went to college and I don't know. I I don't think that's true. I think they are from very similar backgrounds, despite being from two different countries. But then the next line is, Kate was never interested in having a career, while that was always a driver for Megan. That's that's mean. That's mean. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, and you don't know that. How can you say someone was never interested in having a career? How can you I say know. that about someone? That's just well, so messed up. The apparently when Kate and William were dating after they graduated from college, Kate wasn't really working. And apparently the queen was not happy about that. And the queen was like, why is this girl never doing anything? All she wants to do is date William. That's not normal. And so that's why she started working at Jigsaw as like an accessories buyer, because people were like, this girl literally just sits around all day and then hangs out with William whenever he's bored. (laughs) That was, I'm not saying that. But I, I would do the same thing if I was no. Because okay, what you're gonna get super into some career like Megan did acting, and then you just have to ditch it the next yeah. second. Why? Why waste the time? Why am I gonna put all my hard effort into trying to make a name for myself in some company just to have it ripped away from me? Yeah. Also, what was William's job? Yeah. Well, <laughs> when he was like 23. It's yeah. Just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I take, I cautiously throw shade at anyone between the ages of like 17 and 23 because it's just a, a questionable time for everyone. Yeah, it's not normal. It's not normal. You're not normal at that age. No. It, you just, yeah. But don't you think it's kind of weird that their kids never met until that polo game where they clearly invited the photographers? You know, there was some paparazzi nearby, but it was very clearly a photo op that they had organized and Megan and Kate acted so awkward around each other at that photo op. I don't think it's either one of their fault. I think it's really unfortunate. And I think it's sad that their, their kids don't really know each other. Yeah. And and what are you going to do when your husbands are the ones who are brothers and they're fighting? I mean, what can you do? Like sneak around behind their backs and, and I mean, you could, I probably would, but, but like, I think they just, it kind of, I think the book basically says this. They just never got close. And yeah. I think they never got close. And then that kind of rift happened. And so it's just awkward now. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but that was very awkward. I can't imagine, you know, meeting your cousins, having your, the cousins meet each other, just it's so, be so strange like that. And so late in the game, too. Yeah. Oh, one thing that I thought was really a little bit weird was how 
one of the last straws for Meghan and Harry was that their photo wasn't on the desk in the Queen's Christmas address. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I was like, who cares? I think she changes it every year, too. Every year there's a different photo. Now, I mean, it would be lovely if she did put Archie there. It was his first Christmas. I was a little surprised at the time, too. But is that a last straw? Like, I don't know. It probably isn't even her decision. Yeah. Also, they didn't go to the Queen's. They didn't spend that Christmas with the Queen. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, maybe that was a little tit for tat, but who really knows? It could be. One thing. Oh, yeah. This is what I got out of Finding Freedom that I didn't really realize before is just how much she wants to make a good impression on people and how much she wants people to think that she has everything together. She has it all together. She knows what she's doing. She wants to make a good impression. She wants people to have the highest possible opinion of her. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think sometimes she overshoots the mark a little bit, but obviously anyone would, no one's perfect. I mean, Kate never speaks in public. If she spoke more, then I think there would be similar things that people could pick over the way that they pick over the things Megan says. But I also got the same impression when they were doing that interview in South Africa when she was like, nobody ever asked me how I am. I was like, that was too far. And I think that was the moment when a lot of the people in the UK turned against her because they were like, you are on this press tour that you're literally talking to like landmine victims and you're complaining that no one asks you how you are. Like, that, I think, rubbed people the wrong way as well. Yeah, and I think the problem is, too, it's, like, the more the more that she felt like people didn't like her, the more she would want to show how great, like, make a, an even better first impression. So then it, be, it gets even worse. It's just, like, a self-fulfilling cycle, kind of. Like, the more bad press you get, the more you're going to be like, hi, how are you? Everything's great, blah, blah, blah. And then she kind of overcorrected with that. Nobody asks how I am. It's like, yeah, no, because I think about like, if I was in this situation, I would not come off as my authentic self, you know, Absolutely. like I come off fake. Hopefully I could rein it in as much as possible. But like, that's insane. You're marrying someone in the royal family. You're go- like, it's you want to fit in. You want to do everything right. I can imagine her being really nervous. And I'm sad that they didn't just wait it out longer. I think she would have matured into a kind of confidence in that role instead of trying to make a good first impression all the time, which which now she is. Like, you can see her voice coming out a little bit more now. She's not being quite as sugary in the, the interviews that she's done lately and stuff. Like, they should have just taken a hiatus like Kate and Will did after they had George. They kind of just yeah. took her once off, like, just do that and then let everybody start talking about someone else and... Yeah, I agree. But I also think, I think, and Lady Colin Campbell says in her book that she thinks Megan is going to start running for political office in the U.S. So this is the big thing that actually is going to be sort of crazy if it happens. Because, so did you watch the Time 100 last week, the statement that she and Harry gave that set off Donald Trump and made him talk about them, which... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's so ridiculous, but like we, like we don't have bigger problems in right. the United States right now. I'm like, can we not ask him about this? Can we not? Can we focus on right something else? The million of other things. Anyway, yes, I yeah. did 
Yeah. But so you could tell. So when they were speaking, they were telling everybody to vote and they were saying, we need to vote against hate. We need to vote against this and this, which I also think they fixate way too much on their negative press. Obviously, I have never been in that position. I have no idea what it's like, but I really do think that for their sanity, as well as their public image, they need to stop reading the comments. <laughs> but but they were saying we, you know, there's too much negativity online and there's too much hatred in the world, blah, blah, blah. And you need to vote. This is actually the most important election. So you're seeing them. They are very clearly making a move into politics. You know, they can argue that, oh, we're just trying to raise awareness about voting. And it's like, yeah, of course, you're raising awareness about voting. But it's very clear who you want people to vote for because of the things that you've said in the past. So and they're like best friends with the Obamas. Yeah, they're yeah, exactly. And wait, one more thing. And when Megan was on maternity maternity leave, and she couldn't make it to that Trump visit to the to Buckingham Palace. But then like the next week, she went to the Yankees baseball game. I was like, yes, queen, subtle shade, throne. I love it. And I'm surprised the press didn't really con on to that. But I was like, it's been like a week. She obviously could have gone to the with Trump. Yeah, I think it's great that she doesn't talk to him. I mean, how do we how do we stand up against he's literally a fascist. I mean, if you're not going to if you're not going to refuse to speak to him, you're just rolling over, you know? Yeah. It's like and the royal family still gets crap for how a lot of royal family members were sort of talking to Nazis in the 30s. Mm-hmm. You know, the the exiled king who married Wallace Simpson, he was like speaking to Nazis and saying, hey, maybe I can come back into power and be sort of like a puppet yeah. monarch in favor of the Nazis. That is a real concern. So it's like, yeah. yeah. How, how long do you stay apolitical? Like until... To what end, you know, until what extreme? Exactly. And it's like, yeah, I understand why the UK has to have a state dinner for Trump. I guess I understand why the Queen has to sort of be nice to him because he's a head of state. She's a head of state, especially with Brexit. I think the relationship between the US and the UK is only going to strengthen because the UK is leaving the European Union. But I mean, it's such a tough issue. How are they going to remain apolitical while she, Megan, is clearly making inroads to a future advocating for certain political causes, if not running for office herself? Yeah. And I think the running for office would be very far down the road once their foundation has done a lot of work so that she could kind of just become a senator and then president or just president. Like, I don't think she's going to, like, run for Congress. Yeah, I don't think she's going to run for office unless it's unless it's a lock, unless she knows that she is going to win. That's the only way she would ever do it, because it would be so embarrassing if she didn't. But the thing is, so when they left the royal family, they agreed to stop using the HRH titles, which is his royal highness and her royal highness. But they're still allowed to use the titles Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Now, they've done some appearances where they only went by one name. They went by either Harry or Meghan. And with the Time 100, with this statement they made last week that ended up being controversial because of Trump, in the lead up to the statement, the word on the street was that they were only going to go by Harry and Meghan. So that was a huge deal because it was like, oh, they're dropping the titles for, you know, this really huge 
public appearance where they're getting the blessing of Time Magazine, which is the mainstream press in America. It's a very big deal. They're getting, you know, their the backing of Time Magazine. So they're not using their royal titles. Wow, they're fully assimilating into American culture. But then when it happened, their, their Chiron on the screen was the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. It wasn't even Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Oh, it was really? just, oh. yeah, it was just the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. So you're using these titles, which are part of the British monarchy, which we literally fought a war against that our entire national identity is based on. (laughs) And then you're sort of making this move toward politics. So that is actually going to become a problem for them if they're going to keep becoming more political. Yeah. Why did they keep the titles in there? That's so interesting. Right. I don't get it. I really don't get it. It's just... If they just said Harry and Meghan, and if they just went by, if they used even Mountbatten-Windsor it's as their surname, that no one would be able to fault them. But the fact that they used the titles is just, we don't do this here, you know? Yeah, titles don't mean anything here, too. Yeah, like Carol Radziwill <laughs> says. <laughs> on Real Housewives of New York. Mm-hmm. We're in America. We don't have titles, you know? Carol Radziwill. that Countess Luann has been learning time and again. Right. Like, Carol Radziwill makes fun of Luann for saying she's a countess because Carol is a princess, but she doesn't use the title because it's not real. It's not real life. Yeah. So, I don't, yeah, I don't know what their, I don't know what their strategy is with that. I really don't. I don't know. I'm excited that they have this Netflix deal. What do you think they're going to do with that? Like mostly nature documentaries kind of thing? I think we are going to see a Meghan and Harry reality show. I really do. I think, yes, they're going to call it a document. They're going to call it a docu-series, but it's going to be a reality show. And this was in Grazia magazine, which is if you're going to subscribe to any British magazine and get it sent to America for $9 zillion a year, it better be Grazia. My old editor at the observer (laughs) who I love, she was a Brit. She was like, this is the, she was like, Molly, this is the best magazine in the world. And I was like, okay. And like, she would give me her old Grazias. She would hand that. She would just like bring them to work and give me her old Grazias. And I was like, oh my God, I friggin' love this. British magazines are amazing. But so in Grazia, yeah, they have, they always have great Royal reporting that you can't really find anywhere else. And they had a story last week saying they are going to do a docu-series about themselves, but it's not going to be a reality show. And that to me says it's going to be a reality show. My favorite new thing is calling all reality shows docu-series. I know. It is, there is a difference, but. There like is a not, difference, but what is it? Right. It's not going to be the Osbournes, but it is going to be maybe a much right. higher class version of The Simple Life. I don't, I don't want them to do that as much as I want them to do that. Because number one, it's not going to be real. Like it's yeah, not it's actually going to tell. It's like, it's like Beyonce's first documentary. I learned nothing. I learned nothing from that. I know. You know. This is what I hate when celebrities make their own documentaries and they think they've told us everything and they haven't. Like there's no, there's no meat. I, to it. I, I just they don't, don't think they've told us everything. Their goal is not to tell us everything. Their goal is to keep us on the hook wanting more. Yeah. But I think something they do have to watch out for is preaching. I think they... Yeah they need to start walking the walk 
and not so much talking the talk because I think people in the U.S. we do. I will admit Lady Colin Campbell is right about this. We have a much higher tolerance for BS platitudes and preaching in the U.S. (laughs) We really do. Like in the UK, they're like, oh my God, shut up. Like if you say, you know, live, laugh, love kind of crap, that is not, that is not going to go over well in the UK. But in the US, we're like, oh my God, I love this inspirational quote. Like Oprah's entire career is that Gwyneth Paltrow, like we love it. So, but they really are going to, that is the line that they do have to walk if they want to remain relevant is they're going to need to make sure that they're not just preaching and telling us how to live and that they're actually doing stuff. Yeah, definitely. They should just only focus on some work that they've done. I don't, oh God, I just think it's so cringeworthy (laughs) to think about now. I'm like, don't do it. I hope they don't do it, but I think you're, you're onto something, which makes that made in Chelsea, uh, idea kind of seemed more realistic maybe she did want to be on made in chelsea <laughs> who would be on made in chelsea i tried i tried my best i didn't make it <laughs> i was trying to <laughs> i was walking around chelsea trying to find the reality stars i couldn't find them but yeah i mean who doesn't want to be on made in chelsea yeah this is the thing i mean actors are always talking crap about reality stars and it's I really think it's because they are resentful because reality stars do their exact job, but without acting reality stars are famous just for being on screen. And I think obviously actors, they can talk about the craft and being method actors as much as they want, but when it all comes down to it, entertaining is entertaining. And even when you're on a reality show, you're still acting. You're just not reading lines off a script. So I think that's why, a lot of actors will look down on that because they actually just are like, God, how did they circumvent the system? How did they, they didn't even have to go on auditions and they're freaking famous. How did they do that? And they just get to be themselves and love them for them being themselves instead of being some character. Yeah, exactly. So I think, I don't know, but yeah, I could see them doing a docuseries about something or other about the Invictus games. Okay. That is my prediction there is going to be an Invictus Games docuseries where the two of them appear in every single episode mm-hmm. I, they just need to focus it on the people though that's what they need to focus it that would yeah. be so lovely I would oh my god I'm gonna cry thinking about like the, about <laughs> that you know when you watch like videos of a military service person coming home and like hugging their kids that's what I think oh about. can't handle it waterworks cannot handle it they should do that that's what they should do first yeah I think that's what's gonna happen I think I think the hard thing that they're gonna run into with their Netflix deal is the the issue with all media is people don't want to necessarily only watch feel good technically morally sound things in fact it's very hard to make that entertaining yeah Like, this is the thing. It's like, you know, I have been working as a digital journalist and content creator for years. And you just can't only make stuff that's smart and nice and uplifting because no one wants to read it. Everyone thinks that's what they want to see and want to read. But it's just not true. People want to read dirt, too. They want to have both. So, like... If you try to set out to only do news that people are going to say, this is, yes, this is highbrow, uplifting, and good, and morally right, and morally correct, 
you're not going to be in business long. Yep. And that's why the negative press about them has done so well and been the more popular clickbait and everything. Yeah, because yeah, it makes people feel better about themselves and it's just juicy and it's intriguing, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, this person is great and beautiful and perfect and rich is not intriguing. We hate that. We're like, oh, well, what the hell? Why do they get to be great and beautiful and rich? Why don't I? And that's why the negative press exists, because we all want to think that we're too good for that, but we're not. We all <laughs> want to see rich, beautiful people, you know, flip a table. Yeah, doing something stupid once in a while. We like that. We're yeah. humans. That's that's what the media has been since the beginning of time, you know? Like, we love that. We don't just want to worship people. We also want to kind of crap on them a little bit at the same time. Yeah. So. Good luck to them. I don't know how mm-hmm. they're going to pull it off. Hopefully they have some good, like, Netflix sets them up with some good people. Yeah, I think they're going to they're gonna hire some great people because – that they would have to, unless they really, I mean. They don't yeah. really know. Yeah, they don't. They've never really been content creators. And it's harder than people think. Everyone thinks it's so easy. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like every comment under a story about the Kardashians is, why are you writing about the Kardashians? They're stupid. And it's like, yeah, but everyone loves it. Everyone wants to read about it. So, yeah, I feel, yeah, that is going to be the tough part for them. But I'm excited to see what they come up with. Yeah, me too. I don't know. And I I did think that there would be a way for them to come back at some point. But now that they are getting more involved in U.S. politics, the more involved they get in U.S. politics, the less of a chance they have of actually becoming full-time working royals ever again. Yeah, that's true. You can't, like, put the, what, genie back into the bottle. Yeah, they, like, once you don't have that impartiality anymore, you're, it's done because they, you know, even though Megan had said bad things about Donald Trump before, which, you know, like we said, he, Donald Trump is in a league of his own of being terrible. There is like, you can be politically neutral and still say, this is a repugnant man. You know, it's, it's not politics. It's not, it's it's beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, and Megan still would have been able to maintain that political neutrality. And people would have given her the benefit of the doubt in the UK of being, I mean, not everybody. I think Piers Morgan said, because Piers Morgan, like, loves Trump. So he says bad things about Megan being anti-Trump. But no one else cares. Most people are anti-Trump here. So it's like she could have still been maintained the illusion of being politically neutral. But now, the farther, yeah, the farther out they push that boat. There is no coming back from that. They, I don't think they'll be able to make public appearances anymore in a royal capacity with this political, with this new political stuff. I think that is going to be over at least for the next like year or two. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been talking for an hour and forty-five minutes. <laughs> so I could talk for twelve more hours. I know about this. I was I, honestly worried that I was just gonna like be too scrambled to talk about all this but I'm glad we we found a way I do feel scrambled because there is just so much to talk about and for to answer that listener question do we think that Megan and Harry were planning to leave the royal family the whole time or was this a new development I don't think that they intended to leave necessarily but I also think in the back of their mind they probably were like Maybe we will, because it was basically on their second or third date, they were like, we're going to change the world together. And I'm sure that when they said that to each other, they didn't mean 
we're going to be the best Dugan Duchess that ever lived. I think they meant we're going to, you know what I mean? I think they both in the back of their mind sort of felt that they would transcend the Royal family, which is what they're now trying to do. And I don't think they thought it consciously. I don't think that it was a secret plan that they were hatching the whole time. I think it was just like, we are on the same page. We are absolutely soulmates. And we both want to do this, this, and this, and we're going to stop at nothing to do it. And I think they do have absolutely good intentions. Their hearts are definitely in the right place. And I think them leaving was a side effect of that goal. Lady Colin Campbell talked a lot about how Harry is not as close with his former friends anymore. And the and Finding Freedom mentioned that about one friend, but that was it. Yeah, so I don't know, like literally who cares? They're freaking adults. Sometimes you grow apart from people. I don't know. It's you like do. just ever yeah, like everyone just tries to demonize every single thing they ever do and it's yeah. Yeah. So what are your predictions for Harry and Meghan for the rest of the year? What do you think is going to happen? For the rest of the year? I don't know. I guess I think they'll just I guess they'll keep doing these little one-off video clips of them. That kind of seems to be their new thing. It's like just a the interview with Gloria Steinem, that video of Megan reading to Archie. I would love some more Archie content out here. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll set up a new Instagram by the end of the year. They're yeah. definitely, yeah, I think they would be planning that for sure. Yeah, that would be great. Um, will there be a new baby anytime soon? I, I don't know. I think so. There's got to be. And I where think- will said child be born? Oh, in L.A. You think? Yeah. Is that not like an issue or a rule breaking of a rule or something? Well, Lady Colin Campbell is so shady that she implied that the reason they moved to L.A. is because if they get a divorce, Harry will have less of a claim of bringing the child back to the U.K. (laughs) And she implies that that was Meghan's plan all along so that like when they get divorced like the baby won't move back to the UK but I don't think that's anything to think about I don't know yeah what are they getting divorced for who is she gonna marry after Prince Harry like where do you go from there what is the point of that what's the what does Lady Colin Campbell think her next steps are after that I don't well I think she thinks Megan is a social climber and she just wants to be famous and once she attains a certain level of fame she'll dump him she'll dump him and she also talks about why she left her first husband. Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot to bring this up. She left her first husband, says Lady Colin Campbell, because she got famous on Suits. And But the thing that she says that's supposed to make Meghan wor- look worse, but to me is more understandable, is that she says her first husband was a producer and he wouldn't cast Meghan in anything. And Meghan, that sort of just bothered her. And she started to resent him because she was struggling so much as an actress and she never could get any roles. And she was like, why doesn't my husband put me in something like, and she's got a point like Hollywood runs on nepotism. Yeah, definitely. And then it just shows, it, it kind of shows that he doesn't really believe in you as an actress. So how do you get that back once you realize that your husband like doesn't think you're good at your job? Yeah. So I was like, okay, that actually kind of does make sense. Like she finally gets some success and he has never helped her at all. He's always been like, you're on your own. So she's like, all right, well, I guess I'm on my own. 
Right. It just proved that he should have believed in her the whole time. She, someone saw something in her, but it wasn't her husband. Like that's, that's rough. And I think also it's, it's possible that he was uncomfortable with the dynamics of the relationship changing her, having a little bit more fame. She was not an A-lister by any means, but like having a bit more fame than he did, I think it would be safe to say maybe he was uncomfortable with that. Yeah. So I think they're going to, I think what, I think the most interesting thing to see in the next year is going to be how they make money and how they maintain their sort of lofty A-list perch without starting to sort of grate on people's nerves by preaching. I think that is really going to be the hard thing for them. I think it's going to be tough for them to strike a balance between action and words. I think they're going to need to have receipts for how they're making the world a better place if they want to continue to be considered humanitarians because you can't just talk, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would hate to see them go down like Ellen where it's like her whole thing was be kind and that's kind of the reason that she's catching flack now. So yeah. if, they're, if they're really being too preachy and some skeletons come out of the closet with their production team or whatever, something similar to Ellen, then it could really be bad. Yeah. And that's already happened to them with the climate change stuff where they talk about climate change and they said, you should never have more than two kids, which is like a slap in the face to Will and Kate. And then they were taking, you know, something like three private jets in a week or something like that. So it's like, yeah, that's going to be the hard thing for them because you really can't talk about, egalitarianism and treating everyone the same way when you are using titles from a hereditary monarchy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be the the thing that they're really going to have to grapple with over time. And it will be interesting to see how that shakes out. Some people think Diva is a bitch. I never said that. Diva behavior. Diva Behavior, the podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 